Hey, welcome back. Oh, that's me. Just want to say good morning once again. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Chris, and I am the lead pastor here, and I'm honored to be spending my Sunday with you guys. Uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's our main text for today, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you do not have a Bible and would like one, there's a couple over there. Don't worry. If you take the last one, we will buy more. So if you need one, take one, mark it up, take it home, read it. We love that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me pray for us, and then we'll hear what God has to say. So, Father, once again, thank you for being the light that shatters all darkness. Thank you for being the name that is high above all others. Thank you for being the name that Satan runs from. And Father, we just ask that you continue to inhabit this place. We ask that you open hearts to your word. We ask that you just make us like sponges to soak in your truth. And I ask that you use me in any way you see fit. Make the words yours and everything that comes from my mouth be yours, God. We love you so much. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together, as church will say, amen. If you're at home, type amen. Um, think back for me, just for a little bit, to when you were children. Maybe like these young men sitting here, maybe that, that age, 8, 9, 10, 5, 6, 7, I don't know. You pick your favorite age under 10, and you remember what you thought about your parents. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but, but when I was kind of that age, um, my parents were kind of like hero. My parents were kind of like real-life superheroes. They might remember that, that show, Great, Greatest American Hero. A guy was like a, supposed to be a hero, but just kept messing up everything. Well, my parents weren't perfect, certainly by no means. But in my eyes, they were like heroes in my life. And maybe that's, I don't know if that's a normal thing or not. They, you know, because first of all, they knew everything. They always had an answer to my questions. Whether it was right or not was a different story. They knew what to tell me. They could do things. They provided for the family. They protected us. I remember this one time. We were camping. We used to go camping as a family. We had this little, like, 21-foot motorhome. And uh, so we would do that about three or four times a year. And this one particular time, we were at a campground down in Virginia called Indian Acres. My father had a good friend that he knew from work. And we would go, and we would park our camper on his camping lot. And he had a son about my age, so we would pal around for the weekend and get into all the trouble that, you know, two eight- or nine-year-old boys would get into doing things we weren't supposed to be doing, riding mini bikes and this one Sunday afternoon, we decided we wanted to play lawn darts. Now, for those of you who don't know what lawn darts are, you can still buy lawn darts now, right? But they're sissy lawn darts. They're lawn jarts is what they call them. They have a little rubber ball on the end of them, and it's a target game kind of like horseshoes or, or cornhole where, you know, two people stand at opposite ends of the court. You have this ring, and you're supposed to lob this dart-like object with a little rubber ball on it and it's supposed to land in the ring and you get points for that now when i was eight years old there wasn't no sissy rubber tip on these darts they were they were loaded with a heavy metal pointy projectile 
This is what they this is what they decided was a good idea for children of seven or eight years old to play with, right? A lawn dart, a projectile that you lob in the air that has to come down eventually. And so my parents, they and his parents, they, they were like all, you know, cautious. They're like, now, when he's throwing it, make sure you're way over here. And when you're throwing it, make sure you're way over here. And we were following all the rules. And it was his turn to throw. And I was off on the side. And I was doing like, you know, because I got squirrel syndrome. And so I was probably like picking up sticks or... You know, those little snowball things that you step on and your feet hurt for like three weeks. And and as I stood up, I was impaled by a lawn dart. So it's possible that you're looking at the one reason they no longer have a metal tip on them. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I let out the most blood-curdling loud scream you can imagine. My father, on the other side of the camping site, hears it right superhero ears he books it over to me scoops me up slams his hand on the top of my gaping hole in my head and starts running now the cars were three blocks down the road because you had to park the car at the entrance to the campground you couldn't take it where the campers were so here's my dad running with me scooped up in his arm his hand on my head blood gushing down my face he's booking it to the car the guy who was driving the car is booking it behind him i can imagine these 40 year old guys were probably like (laughs) but he did right he did he got me in the car and the whole time he's like don't worry don't worry son it's gonna be fine his hands there he's not letting me see the blood he's wiping it off he's like it's gonna be fine when they get in emergency room stitches he's like it's gonna be cool you're gonna have some nice cool stitches to tell all your friends about and he got me through he he was like just like a hero. I don't know if anybody thinks about their parents that way, but this is what parents do, right? And maybe, I get it, maybe for you, that wasn't a parent. You know, some of us don't always have those relationships as children and parents, and, and that is truly a, 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 we're just sad about that because everybody should. But maybe, and I hope, there's been somebody else in your life who has kind of taken that role, somebody you could call your own hero, it might be a friend, it might be a sibling, it might be a child, a parent, uh, you know, somebody else's parent, uh, somebody who takes care of you, somebody who looks out for you, is truly interested in your good, somebody who keeps you out of danger, somebody who would scoop you up and put their hand over your bloody gaping hole and rush you to the hospital, somebody who could give you advice, somebody who can lend an ear or a shoulder when you need it, somebody who is truly your champion. I hope we all have somebody like that. And, and, and I get it. No human being is ever perfect. Even my parents weren't perfect. They were my heroes, but they weren't perfect. But every once in a while, even through our imperfections, somebody steps into our lives that we could classify as a hero. And here's the cool thing about that. While we are imperfect heroes, these people who come into our lives point us to the one who is perfect. These people come into our lives and they point us to God's design for humanity, that we are all each other's heroes. And they point us to God's plan of love in this world because what else is a hero but somebody who shows unconditional love to do what they want to do? That's what we've been talking about. We're in this series called Real Love. And uh, we have gone through some cool topics. In the first week, we said that love completes us. We can do anything that we want in this world. We can have all the cars and the clothes and the riches and the fame and the big families and the three-acre property and spiritual gifts as they had in the church in Corinth. And we can 
say all we want about those things, but unless we couple that with love, we are incomplete. In fact, Paul says, without love, the thing that completes us, we are nothing, and we gain nothing, and everything we do in this world is nothing but static and noise. And last week, we looked at what love looks like, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. It is not self-centered. And we learned that love, no matter what we do, always has to be active. It's a verb. It's a thing. Love does stuff. And this week, I want to look at love as a hero. Love as a hero, something we rarely ever associate with the word love. But last week, we said love was not emotions and warm, fuzzy stuff. Love from God through us is a thing. It's tangible. We can put teeth on it. We can put feet on it. We can put hands in it. And if, and, 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 and if that love is a reflection of God's perfect love, why couldn't we call love a hero in our lives? I mean, if you pop a goog on what is a hero, right? If you go out and Google what is a hero, it will tell you things like a hero is kind. A hero has integrity. A hero is selfless. A hero is courageous. A hero is determined. A hero always looks out for the good of others. And that sounds a lot like the kind of love we've been talking about, doesn't it? That sounds a lot like this kind of love that Paul has been uh, laboring to give us a picture of. And where we left off last week, saying that love is always something that has to have action behind it can play out in many, many ways. In fact, that's the next thing that Paul says. He says, this is what love kind of looks like. It's patient and it's kind and it does not envy and it does not boast and it is not proud and it always seeks the good of others. And then he goes on to a section of scripture that kind of points us to this picture of hero love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. And I'm going to do something that we don't often do here. I'm going to read from two separate translations of this verse. And I'll tell you why in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 in the NIV, which is where we normally read from, says this. It always protects. The it is love. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 in the ESV, the English Standard Version, says this. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Now you might be asking, Pastor Chris, why are we reading from two different translations of the same verse? And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you a little history lesson. You see, the original language, which was Greek in this case, you can have one word and it can mean a lot of things. See, in the English language, we got a word for everything. We got a word for this and that and this and that and this and that. If we want to describe something, we got words for it. But in the Greek, you had one word. And depending on the context of the sentence structure is what that word means. And so when we're talking about these concepts, there are several ways that they can be interpreted. And the reason we want to read from both translations this week is because we want to get the most complete picture of what Paul 
is telling us. And what he's doing really is reminding us that love, this love that he's talking about, real love, hero love, is deeper and richer and more complex than any native Amer- uh, human English language can, can, can even come into words with. Have you ever tried to describe something that is so amazingly awesome, covered in awesome sauce, with just like five words? Have you ever done that? I mean, you know, describe your back-to-back cruises in just five words. Describe the perfect man or woman in just five words. Now, you might be able to do that, but would it be complete? But see, in this just short verse here, eight words in the NIV and 12 words in the ESV, Paul teaches us everything we need to know about what love must do, about what real love plays out as in this world, about hero Love And the first thing he tells us is that real love bears and protects. And this is what I kind of call the warts and all quality of love. You ever love somebody who's incredibly difficult to love? You ever loved somebody in a situation where you probably would rather be somewhere else? You ever love somebody and you're thinking in the back of your mind, man, this person is just jacked up. People probably think that about me all the time. But, but when love bears all things, it says, I'm going to bear your burdens. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're in, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to take that on myself when I show you this love that will never quit. No matter how annoying somebody is, no matter how difficult somebody is, no matter how unreceptive they are to your love, because this is the thing we do. Well, they're not receptive. They didn't say thank you. They didn't even acknowledge it. They didn't even give me one of these. They didn't even do that. So I'm not going to do it anymore. It never says, here's my line. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to go right to here, but I'm not going another inch further. Love never says that. It bears all things. It's, you know, while we're, bear- while we're loving people, we are going to encounter difficult people. We are going to encounter situations. Stuff is going to happen. People's lives are going to come out. We're going to gain some information. And so the other translation says it always protects. Another word for that, if we wanted to translate, would be to cover, to cover. And let's face it, folks, we all like to spill the tea once in a while, don't we? We're not immune. We're not perfect. We get a piece of nice, juicy gossip. We learn something about somebody. Oh, I was serving over there, and you know what? They, oh, they stunk, and we go and tell everybody, right? Oh, they, you know. If they just had a, a, a little bit of a work ethic, they could probably get out of that. And we just go and tell everybody. And we're like, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. But then I'm going to share with everybody I know just how messed up and weird you are. This is what we do. Christians are not immune to gossip, by the way. In fact, I have heard some of the most disturbing stuff come out of the mouths of Christians after they pat themselves on the back for showing Love to the world. We love to spill the tea. I wonder what people would say about me. Ever wonder what they'd say about you? Because they probably are. But this love that protects doesn't do that. It covers all the faults, all the warts and all. 
It covers people. It protects them from exposure to the world. We don't want to go out and spread their secrets, right? If they're having a hard time, if they're having trouble making ends meet, we don't want to go broadcast that out to the world. We want to make sure that we keep that in confidence. It protects them from ridicule. We don't want other people thinking bad about them. It protects them from harm. It does not broadcast all this stuff that we could learn while we're in the midst of loving someone to the world. It bears all things and it protects all things. And sometimes... I'm not going to lie. Sometimes we have to do that from a distance. We do. There are just situations where we have to love from a distance, but we still have to do it. We still have to get in there and do everything we can to bear all things and protect all things. And then he says, real love believes and trusts. And this is not like being gullible. It's not like being Goober on the Andy Griffith show, right? Where you can just tell Goober anything and Goober be like, okay. It's not like that. It's not being gullible. It's not falling for stuff. It's not, it's not, you know, being a stooge. It's not being a stool pigeon or whatever it is, whatever words you want to call it. But when we have a real love, a hero love that believes and trusts, it means that we always trust that the person we're loving has the best intentions. We're always trusting and believing that that person we're loving is motivated by good. And this is a real problem for us. Because we go into situations already thinking, oh, they don't deserve this. Their own fault. They're the ones that put themselves into this situation. I can't believe they got here. But real love doesn't do that. It trusts that their word is good. And let me tell you, if you don't take anything else home today, take this home. If we can get this one piece of love, that love trusts and believes, there is a freedom on the other side of this that you cannot imagine. Because it takes the burden of judgment off of us and gives it back to God. Ours is not to make a decision on whether we help or serve or love. We are called to love. We are called to love. God's the one who can sort it out. And we do this all the time. We see, I mean, how many people, be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Have you ever seen somebody standing on the side of the road with one of those signs that says, haven't worked for three months, please help. And what's the first thing we say? I'm not giving him money. Because he's probably going to go spend it on alcohol. He's probably going to go get high with it. Be honest. We've all done that. I used to be that way. Instead of believing, well, maybe he's going to go and buy himself a happy meal at McDonald's. It trusts that people are Operating with good intentions. My mom was great at this. My mother would tell you from the first day she met you, you have my trust immediately. She never was one of those people where like, you got to earn my trust. You got to prove yourself. She just opened up and she said, you have my trust. Now, if you messed up, you know, that's a different story. But and she wasn't gullible. She, she didn't ever get taken advantage of. She wasn't a stoolie. She wasn't somebody who people walked all over. She was very strong, very smart, very intelligent woman. But she chose to always see the best in everyone. She chose to always give people the benefit of the doubt. She chose to always take people at their word. She chose to trust and believe. And you want to know something else about my mom? She was always happy. 
And I'm not talking about just situational happiness, like when you're opening Christmas presents at, you know, Christmas. I guess the better word is she was always joy-filled. Because she went through some hard times. I mean, my father suffered with alcoholism for many, many years. We went through some tough times as a family. But she was always joy-filled. Now, are those two things related? I don't know. Maybe they are. But when we stop approaching every situation to love with the worst thoughts we can have, when we stop preloading our service and our love with the downside of things, what's it do? It opens us up to focus on truly showing love. It opens us up to focusing on the better, not just the okay. It frees us. Paul says this in his letter to the church in Philippi. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He doesn't say, think about what they might do with the thing you're giving them. It doesn't say, oh, I just contributed meals to this other family, and so I'm kind of tired right now, and they're probably not going to use the food anyway. It says anything that is good and lovely and pure and excellent. Think about those things. This is what real hero love does. It hopes, I mean, it, it trusts and believes that everybody is worthy, worthy of God's love through us and then he says real love hopes real love hopes and this is not necessarily the same kind of hope that we associate with jesus right we put our hope in jesus because that's not really hope it's not like i hope the ravens beat the lions today which is looking you know 50 50 um it is a guarantee when we put our faith in Jesus, it is guaranteed that his blood, his sacrifice on the cross has paid our debt of sin. It has restored us to God the Father, and we will live, not might, not could be, not might happen one day. We will live for eternity in heaven with God. That's a different kind of hope. What does, what real love hopes is for the good. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If I were to ask you, what would you like for your kids? And maybe if you don't have kids, what would you like for your siblings? And maybe if you don't have siblings, what would you like for your parents or your best friend? If I asked you that question, what would you like for them? You, you wouldn't say, like, well, I hope they get covered with festering boils. I hope they wake up one day and have the worst case of back knee that anybody ever had, and I'm not going to pop it. Y'all know you do it. Come on. It never says, I hope you have lingering cough due to cold. It doesn't. You want good things for your children, right? In fact, most of us parents would probably say, and we've said it before, I want better for my children than I've ever had for myself. And see, this is what a love that hopes does. It always roots for the victory of other people. It always wants to see them prosper. It always wants to see them succeed. It always wants to see them have good in their lives and blessings from God. And this is such a hard thing for us because we are jealous people. 
we are jealous people that we go into these things and we're like, I want to see some good, but I don't want them to be too good because then they might be better than me. And so that affects how we do, but real love that hopes roots for the good and the victory in all other people and everything they do in their plans, in their activities. It, it, it roots for the success in their job. It roots for success in their relationships, in their public life, in their private life, not just when they're around us, but other times too. And let me tell you, if you start this mindset of always rooting for the good of others, for the success of others, it will change your prayer life. It'll change exactly what comes into your heart and on your mind when you're talking to God, because he'll start putting things in there. That you don't even know where they came from. And you're like, how did John get in my head? And I guess I got to pray for him. And it will just happen. It will just happen. This is what God does. It's not secretly thinking, I hope they crash and burn. I'm going to go over here and love them, but I really hope they just crash and burn. It doesn't do that. It keeps hoping until all hope is exhausted. And it is actively seeking to prosper other people that we serve and we love. Real love hopes. And finally, Paul says, real love perseveres and endures. And when we put real love into action, when we kind of adopt this hero love mindset, I'm going to tell you straight up, you will get tired. You will get weary. You will be exhausted. If you are actively showing the love that God has given us to this world, you will get tired. But real love keeps going. Even when we feel that way. Even when we feel like quitting. Even when we don't see any result from what we're doing. Real love keeps going. It perseveres and endures. Those words uh, have this kind of notion that in through all the bad stuff that might happen and the good stuff. See, it's easy to go through the good stuff, right? It's easy when everything works to our plan. But when you are loving somebody and you pray for years and years and years that that addiction is broken and it doesn't happen, that's when we start getting weary. That's when we start thinking, well, it's just not working anymore and I'm going to give up. But this, this perseverance and enduring quality of hero love is the glue that holds all the other stuff together. There's going to be tough days. There's going to be challenging people. There's going to be hard situations. There's going to be tough nights. We're going to meet people that the world has cast away. And we're supposed to love them. And we have to keep loving them. When we meet difficult people, we don't give up. We keep hoping that their situation is going to change. When we meet dishonest people, we don't run away and give up. We keep hoping and believing what they say. We take them at their word. We always look for the good. When people come to us with all their baggage and their match set of luggage, we don't broadcast that to the world. We protect them. We shield them. We cover them like a roof. We put it there. Love never stops. It never quits. It never takes a break. It never looks at its watch and says, I've been doing this. For 35 minutes, it's probably time I stop. It never looks at the world and says, somebody else can do it. Real love endures through it all. Through it all. Paul says this four times. Four times. Depending on the translation we want to pick, he says it always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres or it bears all things it believes all things it hopes all things and endures 
all things. That means we don't get a choice. We can't pick and choose. We can't come into a situation already kind of deciding what we're going to do. And I, I used to approach all the situations like this. For a long, 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 long time, my first reaction about just about anything was this cynical, sarcastic response. In fact, if you had talked to me several years ago, some of you guys remember this. You had a conversation with me. It's likely that the first words out of my mouth would have been, well, the problem is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And then I'd go out and serve. Thinking in the back of my mind, well, the problem is. The problem is if they just blah, blah, blah. If they just did this, if they just did that. I always thought, well, you know, it just is what it is. We'll, we'll go do this because it's our duty, not because I really felt it. But when we approach things like that, what it did for me is it kept me from going all in, in all things, with all love, always. That's what Paul says. It always protects. It always it love, trusts. It always uh, hopes. It always perseveres always in all things in all things we cannot pick and choose we cannot be the judge we cannot be the jury we cannot think the worst of people we cannot think the worst of this world we cannot abdicate our responsibility and put it on somebody else we are called to love this world god never gave up on you and he says you better not give up on my world either because i call you as the people i choose to redeem this world that's what we are. We're his agents of redemption in this world. In all things we protect. In all things we trust. In all things we hope. In all things we persevere. Not because we're bound by some Christian handbook duty, but because love does. Love does. Love is an action. We must, we must, we must, we must always be out there doing what God says to do. And we can all be heroes. Let me tell you what. We can all be heroes in God's world because his love, his hero love in us empowers us. So go out and be a hero. Go out and love this world. Be a hero to your friends. Be a hero to your neighbor that you don't like because his leaves keep falling on your yard. And you're like, I'm going to kick these leaves right back over there. You get your, you know, you battle the leaf blowers, right? You're blowing them one way and he's blowing them the other way. Yep, yep, yep. I... Be a hero to your community. Be a hero to this community. Be a hero to your coworkers. That guy who plays his music too loud and doesn't use headphones ever. Be a hero to him. Be a hero to your spouse. Now, there's a novel idea be a hero to your children be a hero in this church there are people right here who need that kind of love there are people right here that are going through stuff and you might not even know it because you haven't even talked to them be a hero to the guy on the corner holding the sign that says please help be a hero to the guy you see sitting out in front of target who looks like he doesn't have a friend in the world and you could just walk right by because you're busy and Target's calling your name. Or you can stop. Always, in all things, be a hero. Protect people. Trust people. Hope for their good. Hope for their success. And never, 
ever give up in all things. This is what love does in all things, always in all things, always gospel writer John in one of his later books writes this first John chapter four, verse 17 says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. What that means is, as I said, love completes us. It is the identifying mark of a Christian, of a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says, this is how we'll know we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. What is that confidence? That confidence is that we have lived our life to God's calling, which is to love this world in all things. And he says, get ready. I'm going to blow your mind. This is how we know. In this world, we are like Jesus. Like Jesus. And then in verse 19, he says, here's the reason we can do that. We love because he first loved us. Most quoted Bible verse in all of Bible verse quoting history. For God so loved the world. world. Doesn't say for God so loved Emily. It doesn't say for God so loved Pastor Chris because Pastor Chris is the pastor. Doesn't say for God so loved Ken or Elisa or, or Debbie. It doesn't say for God so loved these people over here, but not the people holding the sign. It doesn't say for God so loved the pretty people and not the people who don't have a home. It doesn't say that. It says God so loved the world. That's everybody, all the people everywhere, all the time, in all things always for God so loved the world our goal is to be like Jesus and so love this world like Jesus like Jesus because he first loved us